President Donald Trump has been indicted. It's the first indictment of a former president in American history, and it's a purely political move. The radical left has crossed the Rubicon. They are marching on Rome. Nothing will ever be the same. Then, the horrific shooting at the Covenant School in Nashville was a hate crime by a gender-confused terrorist targeting innocent Christian children because of their religious faith. But radical trans activists and the leftist media don't want the public to know the true nature of the terrible crime. They are blaming Christians. To win this spiritual battle, we must be unwavering in our commitment to truth and the reality of God's creation. Finally, violent pro-gun control protests break out in the Tennessee State House, and double standards are on full display. I'm Doug Wardlow, and this is Founding Principles. It is time to go on offense. This is Founding Principles with Doug Wardlow. The American Republic has been forever altered. Its fate, and the fate of the free world, is now less certain than ever before. Why? Because something completely unprecedented in American political and legal history took place in New York yesterday. A grand jury, convened by Manhattan District Attorney Elvin Bragg, issued an indictment of former President Donald Trump on charges related to his alleged involvement in making hush money payments to porn star Stormy Daniels during the 2016 presidential campaign. President Trump issued a statement shortly after the grand jury voted for the indictment, calling it political persecution and election interference at the highest level in history. Trump further stated, quote, Manhattan DA Elvin Bragg, who has, was handpicked and funded by George Soros, is a disgrace. Rather than stopping the unprecedented crime wave taking over New York City, he's doing Joe Biden's dirty work, ignoring the murders and burglaries and assaults he should be focused on. President Trump is exactly right. The indictment is nothing but political persecution. Even worse than that, it is yet another example of radical leftists transforming the law into a political weapon to go after their political enemies. But this time, they are going after the man who symbolizes the entire political right. This is completely unprecedented. It is the first time a former president has been indicted, but it won't be the last time. What's more, it is quite clear that the legal charges against Trump have no sound legal basis. The charges will almost certainly be for violations of campaign finance law that depend on a legal interpretation that is without any precedent. That's likely why more than one federal prosecutor has refused, reviewed the same charges and decided not to pursue them. So the prosecution in this instance will have no case, and I'm confident that President Trump will ultimately be vindicated. But you see, the Democrats and the radical left don't care about the law. They don't care that their case is incredibly weak. They pursued and obtained this indictment not because of anything Trump did, but solely due to, who, due to who Trump is and what he represents. Namely, he is their greatest political enemy. He represents we the people and the Constitution. He stands in for the rule of law itself. And the left knows that Trump is a strong favorite to win the presidency in 2022. So, I would not be surprised to learn that there was coordination between the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, the Biden administration, and Merrick Garland's DOJ. In fact, I'd be very surprised if there wasn't significant coordination. Now, I believe very strongly that the left has miscalculated here. The charges won't stick. President Trump will, will be vindicated. If they somehow manage to get a conviction, which is highly unlikely, and which would be a complete travesty and miscarriage of justice in his own right, that conviction will be appealed, and Trump will be able to obtain a stay-pending appeal of any sentence that is imposed. President Trump would almost certainly win any such appeal, absence you know, a corrupt uh, judge or panel of judges. And if somehow he were to lose his appeal, then it will be very, very important that he issue himself a pardon. 
But regardless of how, how all of that unfolds, the left has now basically guaranteed Trump's nomination because now Trump is more than a man. He is a symbol for the Constitution and for the rule of law. And a large majority of Americans are already convinced that this indictment is, indictment is nothing but political persecution. So it's likely that this move has actually improved Trump's chances of winning the general election as well. Indeed, one has to wonder whether this move was intended, at least in part, to capture the headlines and fill up many, many news cycles as a means of distracting Americans from the failures of the Biden administration, as well as the Biden family's corrupt involvement with communist China and CCP-linked companies. But regardless of the left's reasons, the consequences of this unprecedented and completely political abuse of the law are enormous. They are much bigger than Trump. They are much bigger than the presidency itself. By blatantly ignoring the law and pursuing this entirely political indictment, the radical left has demonstrated that there is nothing they won't do to defeat President Trump. There is nothing they won't do to win the presidency and perpetuate their control over our government. There is nothing they won't do to push forward their radical political agenda. After all, the radical left Democrats are willing to go after parents who speak up at school board meetings as if they are terrorists. They are willing to suppress the true anti-Christian motives of the Nashville Christian school shooter. They are willing to blatantly violate the First Amendment and coerce big tech companies into silencing conservative speech while amplifying leftist political expression. So the left has now amply demonstrated that they will readily toss out the Constitution and discard the rule of law itself if it will help them achieve their goals. The radical leftist Democrats have weaponized the federal government against we the people, and now they have weaponized the criminal law and aimed it squarely at their political opponents, hoping to hold on to the presidency. You see... The left feels that they need to win the presidential election if their anti-American, anti-freedom movement is to survive. They know that if they fail to win the presidency and Trump is once again elected, then all of their corrupt and illegal and unconstitutional actions will be exposed and punished. But there's another motive here. The radical left wants violence and chaos. They want to sow dissension. They want people on the right to strike back, to strike out. They want riots. They want carnage. That's because the leftists in control of the federal government want an excuse to crack down with force. They are looking for a reason to label all conservatives as terrorists, and they will seize on any opportunity, any violence, however insignificant, as a justification to use the full power of the government to suppress all dissent. And at that point, we'll be much, much closer to the national police state that the radical left so fervently desires. So pray for America and for Donald Trump and for peace because we now find ourselves in a time of unparalleled danger. By indicting President Trump with no legal basis and for entirely political purposes, the radical left has crossed the Rubicon. They are, if you will, marching on Rome. Nothing will ever be the same. And if the left succeeds and takes the city, that will spell the death of law and the death of liberty. So the stakes have now been raised higher than ever before. What happens in the next few months will determine whether our republic will survive. And the next election will mark one of two events, either the rebirth of the American Republic or its death. All school shootings are deeply evil, horrifying, and awful, and indescribably painful for the families and friends of the victims. But there is something particularly dreadful and horrendous about the shooting at the Covenant Presbyterian School in Nashville that left three nine-year-old children and three adults dead. That's because the shooter, a 28-year-old biological female who identified as male, targeted the school because it is a Christian school. She attacked and killed innocent children because they were Christian. What took place at the Covenant School was an act of trans-terrorism, 
and it was a hate crime aimed at Christians. Now, I cannot imagine the pain that the parents who lost children and the families who lost loved ones are feeling. For a parent to lose a child is a fate worse than death. And so let us all continue to pray fervently that God will surround the families of the victims with his love. May they find comfort in the truth that through the saving grace of Jesus Christ, they will one day be reunited with their loved ones in a place where there are no more tears. The horrible tragedy would have been even more terrible were it not for the heroic efforts of the police officers of the Metropolitan Nashville Police Department who responded very quickly to neutralize the threat. The shooter was killed by responding police officers Rex Engelbert and Michael Colazzo, whose decisive bravery and willingness to charge directly into danger toward the sound of gunfire undoubtedly saved lives. It is troubling, however, that the vast majority of the media are not reporting the true nature of the horrific events that unfolded at the Covenant School. The legacy media refuses to recognize that this was an attack on Christians because they were Christians. In fact, at the time of recording, three days after the shooting, the legacy media is widely reporting that no motive has been identified. Indeed, that's exactly what Attorney General Merrick Garland said when questioned by Republican Senator John Kennedy. I want to ask you about the shooting at Covenant School, which is part of the Covenant Presbyterian Church. I realize that the shooter is dead, but the shooter could have had collaborators. Do you plan on on opening a hate crime investigation for the targeting of Christians? The um, FBI and ATF are both uh, on the scene working with the um, uh, local police. Uh, as of now, motive hasn't been identified, and the police chief said at the last at his last press conference that they don't yet have reached a conclusion with respect to uh, motive. Uh, we are certainly working full-time with them to try and determine what the motive is. And, of course, motive is what determines whether it's a hate crime or not. That's a lie. Attorney General Garland is lying, and so is the legacy media. The facts show that the school was targeted because it is a Christian school. Indeed, by all accounts, the Covenant School is a wonderful elementary school, and it is solidly, visibly, unambiguously, and devoutly Christian. The school's website makes the Christian nature of the school's mission quite plain, stating that the, quote, Covenant School seeks authenticity in the way we teach children to see the Lord's hand in everything they do, study or learn, and the way we all enter into community with one another. The school's motto, shepherding hearts, empowering minds, celebrating childhood, brings to mind the words of Jesus when he called the children to him, rebuking the protests of his disciples and saying, quote, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. The shooter reportedly felt bitter about having to attend the school, where she was enrolled through her fourth, fourth grade year. That's according to Nashville Police Chief John Drake, who, who the day after the shooting told CBS Mornings, quote, what detectives have said so far is there's possibly some resentment for having to go to that school. Don Aaron, the director of media relations for the Nashville Police, also indicated that the shooter was targeting the school because the school was part, of, part and parcel of a Christian church. He said, quote, this school, this church building, was a target of the shooter. Note his emphasis that the church itself was a target. It's important to understand that the Covenant School is located on the same property in the same building complex as the church that operates the school, Covenant Presbyterian Church. So even though the Nashville Police Department has said, probably due to pressure from federal investigators, that they haven't yet made an official determination of a motive, the police department's statements indicate that they know exactly what the motive was. Less than an hour before she committed her heinous crime, the shooter sent her best friend a message on Instagram. She wrote, quote, one day this will make more sense. I've left behind more than enough evidence. The shooter was clearly referring to the written manifesto that she left behind. But the manifesto has yet to be publicly released. 
It's apparently quite long. Nashville Chief of Police John Drake explained that, quote, there's quite a bit of writing to it. He further said, quote, I have not read the whole manifesto. Our team and the FBI have been working on this. There is no doubt that the manifesto details exactly why the, the shooter decided to attack the school, in addition to how she planned to do it. Reportedly, the FBI has taken possession of the manifesto. Merrick Garland certainly has access to it. But he tells us that they just don't know what the motive is. Merrick Garland is doing what radical leftists so often do. He is lying. The facts on the ground, plus the fact that Merrick Garland and the FBI apparently don't want anyone and won't let anyone see the manifesto, all point to one obvious conclusion. The victims at the Covenant School were murdered because they were Christians. This was, beyond any doubt, a hate crime directed at the victims because of their Christian faith. The victims are Christian martyrs. But many radical pro-trans groups have a very different opinion. Based on their reactions, they ignore the facts on the ground and seem obsessed with a very strange and correct idea that the real victims here are people that claim to be transgender. Consider the statement on the shooting that was released by the Trans Resistance Network, a particularly radical trans activist group. The statement says that there wasn't just one tragedy in Nashville, but two. The first tragedy, says the radical trans activist group, was the murder of the children and school staff. The second tragedy, according to the Trans Resistance Network, which they say is, quote, more complex, is, quote, that of Aiden or Aubrey Hale, the shooter, who felt he had no other way to be seen than to lash out by taking the life of others and by consequence himself, close quote. They then blame the shooting on the supposed hate and bigotry that they claim is directed at transgender people, and then they state that, quote, hate has consequences. So the Trans Resistant Network is blaming the deaths of innocent children who were massacre massacred by a, a gender-confused person who identified as trans and who were targeted because of their Christian faith on supposed anti-trans bigotry from the political right. They are, they are very clearly implying that Christians are to blame for the deaths of innocent Christian school kids. It's downright despicable. The only hate on display in Tennessee was the hate of the trans-identifying shooter, and it was directed to Christians. By the way, before the shooting took place, this same radical activist group reportedly urged vengeance against Tennessee and conservatives for banning medical tra gender transition treatments and surgeries for children. This is shocking stuff. So why does the transgender activist crowd have so much malevolent ill will for conservatives and for Christians? Well, it's the same reasons that, reason that the trans activists are so self-obsessed. Only a group of people completely absorbed in and focused on the celebration, affirmation, and worship of themselves and how they present themselves to the world could come up with a statement drawing equivalence between the tragedy of the murder of innocent school kids and the so-called tragedy that Aubrey Hale didn't feel that she was adequately seen and celebrated. The so-called transgender movement is all about the worship of the self and correspondingly the rejection of any power that might limit or control an individual's choices. They proclaim that they themselves are gods with the power to alter creation and change the very nature of their bodies. They claim that they have the power to determine whether they themselves are male or female or something else entirely and to demand that everyone else recognize and validate their determination, even though it contradicts reality. They claim the power to make everyone else join them in the rejection of God and God's truth that he created two sexes, man and woman, and that biological sex is immutable. It can't be changed. And that's why the trans activist crowd detests Christians so much, because Christians respect God and recognize the truth of God's creation. So we Christians cannot go along with their denial of God and denial of reality. Christians understand that worship of the self is sin. It's the sin of pride in the biblical sense. 
That is, it's the sin of being so obsessed with oneself that one completely ignores, ignores God, never seeks him, and even denies him. It's the sin for which Lucifer was cast out of heaven and banished to hell. And that hatred of Christianity and of God, the refusal of Christians to join the transgender activist crowd when they bow down at the altar of the self, that is the hatred that motivated the attack at the Covenant School. We are in the midst of a spiritual battle, there is no doubt about it. It's a spiritual battle between those who worship God and those who deny God and want to become God. But man can never become God. We know who wins this spiritual battle in the end. The question for us is this, how can we best lead people to the truth? Well, it starts by speaking the truth. To start with, we need to be clear about language. Words matter. Words have consequences. And language that identifies people as transgender, or even that refers to the, quote, transgender community, contains within it a lie. That's because a person is either male or female. A person who claims an identity other than their biological sex is confused about the reality of their sex, but they are still either male or female according to their actual biological sex. Such a person doesn't have an innate characteristic of being transgender in the sense that a person has a certain ethnicity or skin color. The term transgender was an invention designed to manufacture out of whole cloth a constituency and a grouping of people who can be harnessed for the radical left's political purposes. So let's be careful to, to, to describe everything according to reality. The attack on Christians in Tennessee has the potential to unveil the reality of the ongoing spiritual battle for all to see. The devil doesn't like sunshine. The devil wants everyone to believe that the devil doesn't exist. That's why the radical left will do everything possible to hide anything that might reveal the spiritual nature of the battle being fought. That's why they won't release the manifesto, and that's why they continue to claim that they don't know what the shooter's true motive was. So it is up to Christians, and particularly Christian leaders, to directly address the spiritual battle and the war being waged against Christians, to boldly speak the truth about the nature of God's creation, and to call out the lies about God and reality being perpetuated by the radical left and those who are pushing the transgender agenda. The left has persuaded much of America that we are witnessing a civil rights movement to protect a marginalized group of people. Well, that's completely false. It's a lie. What we truly have is a lot of people in need of actual love, help, and care actual love, help, and care. To truly care for and help gender-confused people, we must pray for them, and we must help them embrace their God-given sex. It is evil and harmful to encourage anyone to believe that reality is not what reality is. It injures a person to encourage them in a delusion. Myriad individuals who underwent so-called gender transition treatments are now trying to detransition, and, and they testify to that fact. But the left and legacy media are doing everything in their power to silence those people. It comes down to this. The transgender agenda is part and parcel of the radical left's war against Christianity and against our America. They seek to weaken and tear down our faith in our country and replace it with a self-worshipping, God-denying, materialist, socialist dystopia. So we must be bold and continue to speak truth. We must never waver in our commitment to the reality of God and God's creation. We must be kind and show all people the love of our Savior. And we must pray. We must pray for the families and friends of the victims in Tennessee. We must pray for Christians and for the church in America and around the world. We must also pray for those who suffer from gender confusion. We must pray that those who suffer delusions and those who are pushing delusions on others come to embrace the truth. And as I have said many times, we must pray for revival. Because in the end, that's the only thing that can save America. If you like the content that we're providing, please go ahead and like the video, subscribe to the channel. If you're listening to the audio podcast, give it a five-star rating. Doing each of those things helps us tremendously. It will help us grow the show and multiply its impact. Finally today, 
from the Daily Wire, leftist protesters stormed the Tennessee State Capitol building in Nashville yesterday morning demanding stricter gun control. And these weren't just gun, pro-gun control protesters. They were basically pro-trans activists. A group of around 100, 400 rather, angry violent protesters rushed into the Capitol and attempted to disrupt legislative proceedings as Tennessee state troopers attempted to hold them back. The protests were somewhat violent. They were not entirely peaceful. And for a time, the protesters took control of the Tennessee House. Wait, hold on a moment. Was this an attempted insurrection? Where are Adam Schiff and Adam Kinzinger? Are they crying over this attempt to overthrow the government in Tennessee? Shedding tears like they did in the, during the January 6th hearings? Where is the outrage? Where are the calls for hearings? Will anyone be prosecuted? Well, I doubt it. Because the protesters were leftists. They were members of the trans activist crowd, pro-gun control folks. It's interesting how the legacy media has been portraying the Tennessee protests as entirely peaceful. When leftists get violent, it's a non-event. It's not really violence. As we saw right here in my home state of Minnesota in 2020 during the summer after the George Floyd incident, leftist mobs can burn down, literally burn down large swaths, blocks and blocks of a city. And the legacy media will stand right in front of the flames and report that the protests are mostly peaceful. CNN did exactly that. Eh, nothing going on here, just... Just some peaceful protests, flames in the background. But when some rowdy, conservative-leaning protesters are allowed into the U.S. Capitol by Capitol Police, now certainly there was some violence that day, and that should be condemned, but mostly people were let into the Capitol, and they even stayed within the rope lines. Well, that, that's an insurrection. And suddenly due process itself is thrown out the window as suspected insurrectionists are detained without charges for lengthy periods of time, denied access to attorneys, even as Democrats in Congress withhold exculpatory evidence. I mean, they had the videotape from the CCTV footage that exonerates a lot of these folks. It's exculpatory because it shows that they were not mounting insurrection. Now, there maybe was some vandalism and some violence, but they withheld exculpatory evidence. The double standard is appalling. It's the same double standard that allows the left to abuse the law and prosecute Donald Trump for purely political reasons. And that double standard is corrosive of the rule of law. If the law applies differently to different people based on their political viewpoint, then we can't really say that we have a rule of law at all. We just have a banana republic. If that's the case, if the rule of law perishes, so too do all of our constitutional freedoms, all of our fundamental liberties. America is truly in grave, grave danger like never before. Well, that's all for today's show. If you like the content that we're providing, please go ahead and subscribe to our channel, like the video. If you're listening to the podcast, give it a five-star rating. Doing each of those things helps us tremendously. And be sure to tune in next time for Founding Principles with Doug Wardlow.